illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down and eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right half from the zone 25, goes back to throw and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! I am the man this is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right back. Simon's in the handoff, can cuts to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, Ken into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Wojtnik, he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, and tonight, from the Cowboy Dinner Tree in Silver Lake, Oregon, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host brother, The Beach. How you doing out there in Silver Lake, Beach? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. The, the lake isn't really no. silver. And did you eat at the Cowboy Dinner Tree? I did. I did eat at the Cowboy Dinner and how Tree. How was dinner? It was it was scrumptious. What did you have? I had chicken fried steak that's and eggs. That's funny because that's not on the menu there. Really? <laughs> They've got two choices, Beach. When you what call out have? and make your reservations, you have to tell them what you want. You get oh. a 26 to 30 ounce steak. Okay. That's a big hunk of meat. Or uh-huh. a whole fried chicken. Are you Actually, calling me a liar, Billy? Chicken. You get a whole barbecue chicken. Are you calling me a liar? Not calling you a liar, Beach. Because if I called you a liar, that would mean what you were saying was patently and and on purpose untrue. You know, I just don't like telling – you know, people don't need to know the, the details of okay. my life. That's fine. Some things have to remain a secret, including the things I have That's for fine. dinner. Anyways, yeah, so it's out there in Silver Lake, Oregon. I think Jess and I are going to go out there and eat next summer. She doesn't know this yet. Okay, yeah. nice. Well, it's a beautiful place right out on, here. Cool. The fact is I couldn't afford a meal well, tonight, Billy. Well, I, I'm thinking we're going to go out there and eat because they've got like... Okay. Did you hear that? I'm, the fact is I couldn't afford could, a meal tonight, You couldn't Billy. afford I'm a homeless. meal? I'm homeless. Well, why didn't you tell me? I would have given you a sausage to take with you. Oh, shoot, I should have gotten a sausage. Mm. All right, Beach. The purpose for... What the hell am I going to get know. on? It's already cooked. You can eat it cold. The purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our insight, experiences, and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others. And just generally talk some beaver sports, football, tailgating, and screw around along the way. Tonight, Beach will have a little beaver sports news. 
I think you've got an update from Eugene for us. I do have an update from Eugene. We'll go under for the review for week number 10 in the Pac-12. Two-thirds of the way there, Beach. Uh, We will have a Tommy Tuberville Jackass of the Week Award. We're going to preview the upcoming Week 11 games. This week, Beach, we're going to actually have a Tanner Boyle Makes Me Want to Puke Play of the Week. Ooh, I think I know this one. Um, We will talk a little bit about the Washington State tailgater. And I think you're going to finish it all off with a Rosie Ruiz Cheaters and Horrors. We are. We do have some cheaters and whores out there. Well, I just want to remind everybody, if you want to get in touch with us, there's a couple ways. You can leave us a voicemail at 541-207-3586. Email us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at HeinrichTailgator. And also check us out on Facebook. We're always posting silly things on there. All right, Beach. Um, We did get a little listener feedback from last week. And actually, it was just Kyle. Yeah. Okay. He just said he really liked how you had to keep it down when you tore off from the uh, from the uh, uh, machine for the update from Eugene. Oh. He liked that. Because yeah, of the monks? Because of the monks. He thought that was pretty good. He thought that was very okay. nice of you to do that. So. Yeah. I, you know, I care. <laughs> People don't realize this, but I have a heart of gold and I care a lot. Uh, we care a lot. about. Exactly. That's what I was thinking All right, Beach. About. Are you ready to talk a little beaver sports news? Uh, All right, yeah. Beach, first up is women's volleyball. Billy, I love women's volleyball, mainly for the spandex. Yeah, bun huggers, that's what I like to call them. Oh, they're yeah. lovely. All right, Beach, uh, the Oregon State volleyball team faced undefeated number one Stanford Friday night at Gill Coliseum. Now the, and how did they fare well, against Well, the Beavers split the first two sets and pushed the third set to extra points, but were eventually felled by the top team in the nation 3-1. to one. Then the Beavs uh, hosted the California Golden Bears Sunday afternoon at Gill, and they took the first two sets and eventually down the Golden Bears in four. Yeah. Nice. So the Beavs are now 15-8 and eight overall, 5-7 and seven in the Pac-12, and face Washington State Thursday at 5.30, and then finish the weekend against number two Washington Sunday at 5. Now both those matches this weekend will be on the Pac-12 Networks. And I, I believe not only is Stanford number one in the nation undefeated, I believe Washington is still number two in the nation and undefeated. They haven't hmm. played each other yet. So. Okay. Hey, question yeah. for you, Billy. I noticed Oski wasn't at the uh, game on Saturday. Was he at the volleyball I don't game? know. I didn't. I noticed he wasn't there either, but they didn't have any cheerleaders or anything. They had that little pet band. So okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know, Beach. I don't know why they did that. Okay, yeah, because Oski's normally up there, you know. Uh, drinking beer out of his eye hole? Well, not just drinking beer out of his eye hole, but, uh, you know, normally he paces back and forth with his hands behind him like he's stressing yeah, about the we game. Yeah, didn't see him. I know, because I looked for him, too. Yeah. All right, uh, moving actually, on. a little more volleyball news. After putting down 38 kills and earning back-to-back double-doubles, Mary-Kate Marshall has been named Pac-12 Freshman of the Week for the third time during the 2014 season. So, always good nice. to get, get those kudos. All right, Beach, on to women's soccer. Billy, I love women's soccer. It's my favorite right sport. The Oregon State women... Level of little shorts they wear. <laughs> the Oregon State women's soccer team was unable to overcome a strong California on Friday afternoon as the Golden Bears took a 5 to nothing victory down in Berkeley. Those bastards. Now, freshman goalkeeper Bella Geist moved into second on the Beavers' single-season saves list, 
But the Oregon State women's soccer team fell to number four, Stanford 7 to nothing on Sunday afternoon. The Beavs are now 0-16-3 on the season, 0-10 in the Pac-12, and wrap up the 24 campaign on Friday when they head to Eugene to take on the Ducks in the Civil War Series. That's the only hope they have for making it a halfway decent season. You know season, what? Huh? If they win that game, it'll be a successful season. I'll give that. All right, Beej, um, just a little bit of men's soccer news. Now, the Beavs... Um, no, I'd like to say, Billy, soccer's not okay. a real sport. The Beavs take on Cal down in Berkeley on November 7th. So, that's all okay. the... They, they had the week off last week. Who shows up to those games? Soccer fans. Probably hmm. little Dave. Probably those people. You know when you go to a rock concert and you look at those people and you're like where are you people at during the rest of the time? You know, you know, you didn't realize that many people out there with mullets still existed. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if those same people go to soccer. Could games. be, Beach. I'm not sure. What, what, what cracks me up about it is, uh, I've got friends that go up to the, uh, Portland Timbers game for, for soccer, you know, professional soccer up there. And they're like, you got to well, come. And I'm like, I don't like soccer. And they're like, oh, but they do all this great stuff in the stadium and they get all this stuff yeah, going. Because the sport is that's in what a I sport. Like, oh, that's because you can't because you're watching the game sucks. So they have to do other stuff to try and entertain you. Exactly. All right, Beach. I mean, the ball gets even remotely near a goal and everybody I starts know, it's cheering. Like it crosses half the half, you know, field line. Oh, yeah. You guys run around chasing a ball. You know, God gave us opposable f- thumbs for a reason, and they don't even All use right, Beach, them. Let's move on to wrestling. We've got some wrestling news. Oh. The or- yes, really? the Oregon State wrestling team was ranked 20th in the season's first USA Today NWCA Division One Top 25 Coaches Poll, released last Saturday by the National. Do they have an acronym for that? I just told you the USA Today NWCA Division One Top 25 Coaches Poll which is released Saturday by the National Wrestling Coaches Association. Now, the Beavs are the only Pac-12 conference team in the top 25. Stanford was the leader among those also receiving votes, so they would be number 26 if they went out that far. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. That's all we have so in wrestling? So far, the season hasn't started yet. Okay. Where did the Ducks get ranked? Who? The Ducks, you know, that team from Eugene, the group that we've referred to as cheaters and whores. Uh, oh, let me look, Beach. Oh, oh, Beach. Yeah, the Ducks don't have a wrestling team. Oh, that's right. That's right. They they got it. They replaced it with uh, women's uh, chess. Competitive cheerleading. Oh, that's right, now, that's right. Something which has that now takes... been changed to acrobatics and tumbling. Hmm. I remember doing tumbling when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have a little mat and you roll you forward. Go. You think you're so talented, but really you just well, suck. What they do is actually pretty impressive, but I don't think it's a sport. Anyways, Beads, let's mm-hmm. move on to women's basketball. But I bet you they're really cute. Let's move on to women's basketball, Beach. Uh, the girls, not the guys. I'm not gay. The Oregon State women's basketball team. Seriously, I'm not. The Oregon State women's basketball team will begin the 2014-15 season ranked 21st in the USA Today. Quit inferring that I am, Billy. I'm the not USA gay. USA Today coaches poll. The WBCA announced today. Now, the Beavers ended last season ranked 25th in the nation. 
Now, Oregon State, which was picked 20th in last week's AP preseason poll, received 123 points in the coaches' poll. Now, today's release marks the second time in school history that the Beavs have received a spot in the preseason top 25, and the number 21 ranking is the team's highest since 1996. I'm not gay. Now, Oregon State will host an exhibition um, against Oregon on Sunday before opening its season against Portland on November 14th at Gill. I, I love women. All right, Beans, let's go on to men's basketball. <laughs> Wait, men's yes. basketball? Ooh, this is yes. exciting because we have yes. a new coach. Tink. Oregon State fans will have their first opportunity to see the 2014-15 men's basketball team in game action under the leadership of new head coach Wayne Tinkle when the Beavers host Western Oregon in an exhibition contest at 7 p.m. on Friday at Gill Coliseum. I didn't know we were into being exhibitionists. Yes, Beach, we are. Hmm. Did you know that you can get, uh, uh, what is it, season tickets for like yes, 200 bucks? Yeah, great deal. Trying to fill, trying to fill the, stands. the stands. And they're saying that this year. After the last coach scared everybody yep. away. So. Uh, his popularity ranking is about the same as his brother-in-law. Hey, Beach. Is that What's the that, teletype Billy? I hear behind you? It is, Billy. It right is. Hold on, just a sec. There we go. Ripped it off. You ready? <laughs> I think you did. This, I did. I, I ripped it off. This just in. University of Oregon. The U of O is almost done with laboring over its new mission statement. Oh, really? Yes. By Diane, according to Diane Dietz with the Register Guard. Now, this is this is intriguing as heck, I'll tell you. Remember you and I were talking about mission statements, I think, just a couple – last week, yes. weren't we? It just just randomly, happenstance. That's what caught my eye on this one. So Billy and I were talking about mission statements and how, how like the end 15 years ago was to have a mission statement. And every company out there had to have a mission statement. Ultimately, everybody's mission statement is the same. Service the customer, yeah. make money. I mean that's what every business is supposed mm-hmm. to do. Satisfy your customers – Make mm-hmm. a profit. Return for your owners or mm-hmm. shareholders. So I don't know why we have to have a mission statement stating what the obvious is, but maybe the obvious isn't obvious to people. Well, anymore. the only thing I would say that is, you know, it depends on how you go about making money. So let's say you run a, a restaurant, right? Let's say you run a pizza mm-hmm. restaurant. Your mission statement mm-hmm. could be we want to provide the highest quality pizza at the best price we can. Let me see this. So we could change that to take care of the customer, well, make money. But there's a different. But there's different ways to take care of the customer, because your other thing could be we want to provide the lowest priced pizza as quickly as we can. So that's two different missions. I suppose. But who's yeah? Who's going to say we want to give you crap? That being said, I think the best mission statement ever was the one that we read for um, Wisconsin two years ago. What was theirs? I'm surprised. Oh, you it was this. just about about they were there to be of service to the the state and its um and its populace. You, do you not remember that? Okay. Oh, I don't remember. Great. This. It was great. But go ahead and go ahead and, and, and. Okay. Well, this is a long one, so forgive me if I bore any of you. But this there's there's a lot that has to be read on this one to kind of nope. make. Points. Oh, before you before you so before you go this. on, that's what she said. 
because you said this is a long one, and I know there's listening to this that are thinking that the same thing ran through their head. So oh, okay. I just had to. Put yeah. It. Yeah, that's what she exactly. did say. Okay. Unlike yours, which says, "Is it in?" <sighs> All right. It's. <laughs> Can't get very deep, but I rubbed the hell out of the edges. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, all right. So, according to Diane Dietz of the Register Guard, after eight months, four major rewrites, countless tweaks, a missed state deadline, and drafts that ranged from turgid to frivolous, and back again, the University of Oregon is close to checking off one thing from its to-do list, writing a new mission statement. You wouldn't think this would be this involved, but... The U of, Bo- U of O Board of Trustees member Mary Wilcox referred to the document in September as the infamous mission statement and said, the day the mission statement is filed will be a happy day. On Monday, when a six-member committee of trustees gave preliminary approval to the most recent draft, Senior Vice President Barbara Altman all but danced. Well, hallelujah, she said. I'm so happy. I mean, this has been taking... This is sad when something so simple has become such an important thing in their lives. Anyway, a vote of the full board on the new mission statement is scheduled for 2.30 p.m. Wednesday in room 403 of the Ford Alumni Center on campus. I'm assuming the Ford Alumni Center will soon be renamed the Phil Knight Alumni Center, but I'm sure that's a few years away. This is the first mission statement that the university endeavored to write since the legislature granted its independence, which formally began in July. So the state legislature did let University of Oregon on its own? Are you did, are you what aware of this, that? Billy? It said here, this is the first mission statement that the university endeavored to write since the legislature granted its independence, which formally began in yeah, July. Yeah, all the universities are like I, that. They all have independent boards now. Okay, so this is the thing that Oregon was pushing for, and now all yes. of them got it. Okay, because Oregon wanted to not be under the under the. Uh, there's there's not a. Oh, what was the guy called? Chancellor of Education anymore? Okay, so now they, they all have, have their, their own, own boards. boards, which is probably a good idea okay. because they all have different things going on. You know. Okay, well that's kind of what this o- thing OHSU goes on OHSU is say. different than the University of Oregon. Is different than Oregon State. Is different yeah. than well, Portland the, State. Well, let, let, let me finish here. The legislature required the university sub, to submit this to the State of Higher Education Coordinating Commission a new mission statement that would differentiate the U of O from Portland State University, Oregon State University, and other public universities in the state. The U of O trustees were scheduled to adopt the mission statement in June and then again in September, but agreement remained elusive. University administrators wanted a document that would set where they focused their efforts. The mission statement sets up the values and purpose and vision of the university, interim provost Francis Bronet, who oversaw the rewrite, said recently. A team of marketers and branders the university has assembled want the mission statement to deliver compelling hooks they can use to snare top flight students, uh, faculty, and donors. We're at a crossroads, interim president Scott Coltrane said recently. We need to do bolstons. Previous drafts were assailed. Coltrane called an early version penned by Altman, a UVO French literature professor, turgid, Mm -hmm. a version influenced by a branding firm raised hoots and boos from commentators. They didn't like the spin. They didn't like the feel-good PR marketing part of the way this looked, Coltrane said in an earlier meeting. Some wanted to erase the words liberal arts 
from the text because few outside academia know what it means. And the advice from branding company was that liberal has negative connotation in some people's minds. I would agree, it does. Trustee and television reporter Ann Curry objected to the aspirational nature of one version. We need to say we are a great university, she said at an earlier board meeting. As a parent, I'm not going to send my kid to a school that's trying to be a great university. I'm going to send my kid to a university that has a certain amount of confidence in what it does. Trustee Connie Balmer wondered recently whether a recent draft would distinguish U of O from any other university. Could this mission statement, as it stands, be Oregon State? It probably could, she said. She thought the branding firm, which had been able, uh, which had been to campus to do extensive interviews, might be able to help. Surely those folks, if you put them to the wall, could tell us five things that are unique about us, she said. I wonder if they included cheaters and whores. In probably this not. No. Truth sometimes yes. is painful. The branding firm sees the U of O's place as important. Eugene has a unique geography between mountains and the coast, but also in the culture and diverse ideologies of its students. Hippies in Oregon. There's a very, oh, very strong... Between the mountains and the coast? Kind of like yeah. Oregon State? I was going to say, except they're yeah. hippies. <laughs> There's a very, very strong feeling here at the University of Oregon that our rootedness in the South Willamette Valley, in Oregon, in this culture that is Eugene, are decades of student activism. Hippies. A very engaged student body. Hippies. All that actually makes us distinctive, she said. Like, they're different from the hippies that are down in uh, oh, yes. Berkeley. They're Oregon hippies. That distinction is also an aspect of the university that's given generations of administrators ulcers, such as during the Vietnam War when students dug, <laughs> dug simulated bomb craters in the Johnson Hall lawn, or the mid-1990s when students protested sweatshop conditions in third-world footwear factories, causing the U of O's number one donor, Nike founder Phil Knight, to swear off giving for a time, and more recently when students rallied to decry what they called a culture of rape on campus. On Monday, the trustees were still tinkering. Trustee Kurt Wilcox said the draft completed late Sunday mentions teaching students to think critically, logically, and creatively, but it doesn't mention preparing them for a job. Hmm. The committee adopted his proposed revision, inserting our students into the part of the draft that says the university will attend to the economic well-being of Oregon, the nation, and the world. Wilcox also fretted about the draft's contention that the U of O values the outstanding quality of life provided by the distinct geography, history, and culture of our unique location in Oregon. I'm just not sure that everybody in Oregon has a wonderful quality of life. There are many people who are struggling, he said. Altman said she took his revision to heart, especially because we rank so high up on the list of states with children who go hungry and many measures that are crucial for us to address, she said. The committee reworded the pat. I mean, have you ever seen so much effort into a mission no. statement? I mean, oh my gosh. I just, and, I don't get. Okay. I mean, they're, they're putting their lives and their passions in this, and they can't get students to come out of there that, that can even get a freaking job that pays and, better and than minimum wage. And here's what it comes down to, Beach. No offense to my cousin, but she's got a U of O degree, and she's working at Starbucks. Here, Here's... here's... Here's my problem with the whole thing. Who the hell reads the effing mission statement when they're picking a college to go to? 
which one's got the hottest cheerleaders, the degree I'm looking for, or who's giving me the best yeah, exactly. deal. Exactly. No one. You know, well, it's nice. It's nice to have a catchy mission statement. You know, it's nice to have something mm-hmm. catchy or poignant or meaningful. But when it comes right out to it, it doesn't make two craps of a bit of difference to most people when they're choosing a university. They don't go, well, you know what? I was trying to decide between this school and that school, but I found the mission statement of this school to be more compelling than the other. So that's where I'm going to go. It's kind of like your pizza comment. You know, even if you said we're trying to give the best value pizza, does anybody give a crap? If they got five bucks in their pocket, they're going to buy Little Caesars. If they got 10 bucks, they're going to buy Domino's. If they got 15 to 20, they're going to get Woodstock. But I'm just saying, but I'm just saying to me, like a mission statement, like with that, that's the thing to keep in mind as you're doing. But it still doesn't matter. Money and and need True. are what's going to factor in not 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 how they're, they're i mean mission statements are to almost market to True. yourself True. I, they're supposed to, me, to keep you focused and to me because that's what i was trying to say a mission statement for the, the mission statement for me isn't for the other people it's for me right mm-hmm. if i have a mission statement for my business this is what i want to try to do that's the thing i'm going to keep in mind as i go about my business yes I want to make money and and service my customers well, but how in my mind do I want to do that? And that's what I want to keep in mind as I go about my business. Does that make sense? Well, let's, yeah. Well, let's finish this up. We're almost going to get to see what this mission statement, I mean, with these days and months and years put into this sucker, what they came up with. So if the full board adopts the latest draft on Wednesday, the university will present it to the state coordinating commission on November 14th. Just a little tardy. Afterwards, they'll find out if their wordsmithing was successful. So evidently, the uh, commission still has to bless off uh-huh. on it. It's got to be clear so that people can own it and hold it and they can represent it and they can feel connected to it, Bronet said. A series of mission statements, latest draft of proposed new U of O mission statement. Uh, here's the mission okay. statement. I think this is it. The University of Oregon, you know, usually you want them like on a one line. It's supposed to be like a resume, you know, keep it on one page Uh if you can. Uh, I don't think they're going to make that one. The University of Oregon is a comprehensive public research university committed to the exceptional teaching, discovery, and service. We work at... It's interesting how they go from what the university is and then we. Not it, Mm -hmm. but we. But anyway... We work at a human scale to generate big ideas. As a community of scholars, we help individuals question critically, think logically, reason effectively, communicate clearly, act creatively, and live ethically. That sounds to me like indoctrination, but add to each their own. Propose. We strive for excellence in teaching, research, artistic expression, and the generation, dissemination, preservation, and masturbation, oop, I'm sorry, and application of knowledge. <laughs> we are devoted to educating the whole person and to fostering the next generation of transformational leaders and informed participants in the global community. Through these pursuits, we enhance the social, cultural, physical, and economic well-being of our students, Oregon, the nation, and the world. Vision. We aspire to be a preeminent and innovative public research university encompassing the humanities and arts, the natural and social sciences, and the professions. We seek to enrich the human condition through collaboration, teaching, mentoring, scholarship, experiential learning, creative inquiry, scientific discovery, 
outreach, and public service. Values. We value the passions, aspirations, individuality, and success of the students, faculty, and staff who work and learn here. We value academic freedom, creative expression, and intellectual discourse. Tell that to the Republicans on campus. We value our diversity and seek to foster equity and inclusion in a welcoming, safe, and respectful community, except those who are conservative. We value the unique geography, history, and cultural culture of Oregon that shapes our identity and spirit. We value our shared charge to steward resources sustainably and responsibly. Anyway. That's it? Currently, that's it. That's just a big pile of crap. You know, and I don't, you know, everything that, you know, and I, okay, so you and I were talking just at the game. I mentioned about how there was that house on campus and it was called the sustainability center and it looked like a bunch of hippies didn't take care of a damn Mm -hmm. thing and i guess what irritates me is the idea of sustainable you know to steward resources sustainably and responsibly again we were having this conversation the state of oregon is 50 percent owned more than 50 percent owned by the federal government we don't have any charge of our sustainability do we Federal government states mm-hmm. that. How is being going to the University of Oregon going to change our sustainability? Most of our forests are owned by the mm-hmm. feds. Well, and you, that's right anyway. there. You know, you want to talk about people in the state going hungry? Let us log. Exactly, exactly. They're they're so worried about us being, you know, free markets, free people. Oh, that's a mission statement. That's the uh, that's the uh, Wall Street Journal's mission mm-hmm. statement. Free markets, free people. Four words, and it says so mm-hmm. much in four words anyway so here we go let's see what they're replacing current U of O mission statement preceding U of O's conversion to independence from state control our mission serving the state nation and world since since 1876 the University of Oregon is a comprehensive research university that serves its students and the people of Oregon the nation and the world through the creation and transfer of knowledge in the liberal arts the natural and social sciences and the professions it is the Association of American Universities. Uh, I'm sorry. It is the Association of American Universities flagship institution of the Oregon University system. The university is a community of scholars dedicated to the highest standards of academic inquiry, learning, and service, recognizing that knowledge is the fundamental wealth of civilization. The university strives to enrich the public that sustains it through. A commitment to undergraduate education with the goal of helping the individual learn to question critically, think logically, communicate, clearly act creatively, and live ethically. A community to graduate education to develop creators and innovators who will generate new knowledge and shape the experience for the benefit of humanity. A recognition that research, both basic and applied, is essential to the intellectual health of the university, as well as to the enrichment of the lives of Oregon's by energizing the state's economic, cultural, and political structure. The establishment of a framework for lifelong learning that leads to productive careers to the enduring joy of inquiry. The the integration of teaching, research, and service as mutually enriching enterprises that together accomplish the university's mission and support its spirit of community. The acceptance of the challenge of an evolving social, political, and technological environment by welcoming and acting to it. A dedicated to the principles of equality, of opportunity, and freedom from unfair discrimination. 
for all members of the university community and acceptance of true diversity as an affirmation of individual identity within a welcoming community. A community of international awareness and understanding and to develop then to the development of a faculty and student body that are capable of participating effectively in a global society. The conviction that freedom of thought and expression is the bedrock principle on which university activity is based. That's a good one to live by. The cultivation of an attitude towards citizenship that fosters a caring, supportive atmosphere on campus and the wise exercise of civic responsibilities and individual judgment throughout life. A continuing commitment to affordable public higher education. U of O's historic statement carved in the stone on a wall at the Knight Library. The mission of a university, the university process, is a social process that does not stop short of transforming men. To achieve such profound results, it must utilize the principle of all for each and each for all, dedicated to the highest ends of life. Its organization must evoke the most intimate interplay of thought and purpose. Oh my God! It must, it must amount to a life process fully socialized. From now on, it must be a climb if our nation is to hold its position among the nations of the earth. It means conservation and betterment, not merely of our national resources, but also of our racial heritage and opportunity to the lowliest. This must be our passion, and the university must be its profits. Frederick George Young, U of O Professor of Social Science and Dean of Sociology, 1895 to 1928. So it sounds to me like they took their old one, rehashed it, added a bunch of environmental wacko bullshit, and that's what they called it. And they spent months on it. And again, I repeat, one of the most profound ones that I know from the Wall Street Journal, free markets, free people. Mm -hmm. How about free thought, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just to me, it's just all a bunch of crap. It's all a bunch of of social. I mean, well, look who wrote the first one, and all they did was they take the first one, and it looks like they took a highlighter, saved the good crap, added some more crap that's going on today, some popular taglines, and voila. You know, they said they wanted hooks. You know, the the way you do a hook in a in a thing is you don't write a gosh damn novel. You you get a couple of good statements. Yeah. that's your hook. Yeah. Yeah, but that that but see, creating free but, thinkers, but, you know, creating free thinkers since eighteen. Bees, whatever. That's what you also get when you get creation by committee. You get a big mess. Oh yeah, that. exactly. And so I'm not a big fan of committees. I believe in uh, dictatorships in a lot of ways. Anyways, Beach. Okay, let's move on. Okay. So sorry, there's my update for Eugene. Sorry, it was a little long. Brutal, Beach. Well, you know, you got to look. I guess this just kind of shows, again, the, the kind of thought and mentality that's down there in Eugene. And it makes you appreciate the fact that we prefer to uh, spend our Saturdays at uh, Corvallis, even though we still have morons like that in the university oh, as well. There's just morons like that in Academia, Beach. Yep. <clears throat> All right, Beach. You, you ready to go well. under further review for week number 10 of Pac-12? After further review, the runner did... Cross the line. Touchdown. Yes, let's right, do this. So, I have our updated standings from last week. Uh, Kyle was in third place with 39 out of 61. You were in second place with 40 out of 61. And I was in first place with 42 out of 61. Yep, I am the Jan Brady of our contest. Right. So, we are going to move along here. Uh, first up, Beach was all the games were on Saturday, November first. First up was Washington at Colorado. Do you remember who you took? 
Um, I took Colorado. Yes, on this you and one, I really. both took Colorado. Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle took UW. Linebacker turned running back Shaq Thompson averaged nearly 12 yards per carry, scored on a 25-yard run, and added a 41-yard catch in one in which he eluded two tacklers and hurdled a third to set up another score as the Huskies beat Colorado. <laughs> say as the Huskies beat Colorado 38 to 23. The Buffaloes were done in by four turnovers in losing their fifth straight. The Buffs started out fast for a change but failed to finish strong even though they slowed Thompson after his first big uh after his big first half in which he ran for 151 yards and a TD. 151 yards and a TD on just 10 carries and added his 41-yard TD reception to set up another score. So Kyle got the point on that, you and I did not. Next up, Beach was USC at Washington State. Picked USC on this one. I thought the men of Troy were going to yes, fight we on. And uh, we all did, all three of us. And Cody Kessler threw for 400 yards and five TDs, and Southern Cal beat Washington State 44-17 in rainy, foggy conditions on Saturday. Juju Smith caught three touchdown passes for Southern Cal, which became eligible for postseason play. Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar caught eight passes for 220 yards and scored a pair of touchdowns. Now, Washington State quarterback Connor Halliday, the nation's passing yardage leader, was knocked out of the game in the first quarter TDs, but it was not enough to prevent the Cougars from suffering their second consecutive home loss and fourth in a row. And we will talk more about the Connor Halliday injury later in the show. All right. So all three of us got the point on that one. Next up, Beach was okay. Stanford at Oregon. Remember who you took? Well, I thought the Cardinal could do some damage. Yes, I was. I was extremely. Yes, you wrong. and I both took uh, Cardinal. Kyle took the Ducks. Now, Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota, who celebrated his 21st birthday last week, threw for 258 yards and two TDs and ran for two more scores for Oregon. Running back Thomas Tyner returned from an injury to run for two TDs as the Ducks beat the Cardinal 45-16. Stanford's defense had not allowed an opponent more than 30 points in a string of 31 games, the longest streak in the nation. And that was obviously ended on Saturday. The Cardinal had allowed just four total rushing touchdowns through the season's first eight games. And Oregon finished with four on Saturday. So, obviously, defense didn't play Oregon like they had in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Kyle got the point on that one. Next up, Beach was Arizona at UCLA. I'd take uh, Arizona on this one. I didn't think Ukla had it in him. True, true, true. Um UCLA quarterback Brett Hundley passed for 189 yards and ran for 130 more. And UCLA pulled its season back from the brink with a 17-7 victory over Arizona on Saturday night. Yep, Damn well, it. all three of us took uh, Arizona, Beach. Arizona hadn't scored fewer than 26 points in any game this season, but the Bruins finally turned into defensive powerhouse that Coach Jim Mora hoped they would be, even if the Wildcats blamed themselves for the least protective offensive performance in Coach Rich Rodriguez's three seasons in Tucson. So none of us got the point there. So where does that put uh, the South? The uh, South is a mess, Beach. Everyone's tied? got two losses. Yeah. Wow. Because next up was Utah at Arizona State. Actually, the only one without two losses is Arizona State. They only have one. So that just tells okay. you right there. <laughs> Utah at Arizona State. Uh, all three of us took Utah. Now, Arizona State kicker Zane Gonzalez kicked a 36-yard field goal in overtime for his fourth field goal of the game, and Arizona State overcame an uneven performance to beat Utah 19-16. 
Taylor Kelly wow. still showed a few signs of rust in his second game back from a foot injury, unable to get Arizona State moving through most of the second half. He seemed to be under pressure on every throw and finished with 205 yards on 18 of 32 passing with a touchdown and an interception. Now, Utah had the ball first in the extra period and was forced to call a timeout just before Andy Phillips attempted a 35-yard field goal to avoid a delay of game penalty. Phillips, who's one of the nation's best kickers at 87% this season, pushed that attempt wide right and missed to the left when it actually counted. His first miss in four attempts on the night. So they call him Automatic Andy, and he missed one just as they called a timeout to avoid a delay of game penalty. So he came back to kick one that actually counted, and he missed it too. Yep, so down goes Utah. So I believe Utah... Arizona and USC all have two losses, correct? Okay. And Arizona State only has one. So if they win it, they control their own destiny. Okay. Okay. And last up, Beach, the final game of the evening, Cal at Oregon State. And, of course, all three of us took Oregon State. Cal quarterback Jared Goff threw a 10-yard touchdown pass to Chris Harper for the go-ahead score with 842 remaining Saturday night rallying Cal to a 44-31 win over Oregon State. Now, running back Daniel Lasco rushed for a career-high 188 yards and 30 carries and scored on touchdown runs of 14, 21, and 15 yards to help the Bears snap a three-game losing streak and move within a game of becoming bowl eligible. Now, the Bees' comeback spoiled a... or the Bears' comeback spoiled a record-setting performance for Oregon State's Sean Mannion, who completed 30 of 45 passes for 320 yards and became the Pac-12's all-time passing leader. Now, Mannion, who entered the game needing 194 yards to break former USC quarterback Matt Barkley's record of 12,327, completing passes to seven different receivers, but the Beavers suffered their third consecutive loss. Very frustrating. You know, when we came, when we had that uh, comeback, uh, 21 unanswered mm-hmm. points, I really thought we were going to take I the did game. Too. I did too. I just thought the momentum was in our favor. We seemed like we were gelling. The the offense started mm-hmm. hitting. You know, defense was doing a fairly good job. And I just thought, you know what, we're going to make this work. And even when we were down by the, what was it, one point? Uh, well, they went down, they were up 27 to, no. They scored that field goal. And, and, uh, well, they scored, they scored remember, a touchdown to go up. By one. one and then scored a field goal to go up by four. And it's like, that's okay. Because uh, Manny yeah. got hit as he was trying to throw a ball away and it kind of floated and they intercepted it. Yeah. But the defense stepped up. Actually, I think mm-hmm. they held him to negative three yards. Yeah, defense yeah. did a beautiful job. I mean, you know, when you when you get a turnover that deep in your, your own uh, or in your own territory. Yeah. In your own territory, I mean, there's not much you can do. But the defense did a great job of holding him to three. I mean, I was just thrilled that they only got three out yeah, of that sure. mess. And, and like I said, the offense was was connecting. I'm like, oh, we can get a drive. We'll get a touchdown. We can win this sucker. And even worse comes to worse, if they get a field goal, we'll take it in overtime. But we were looking so positive. Mm-hmm. And then it all yeah. went to crap. I was encouraged by the comeback, but discouraged by the stretches of bad football. Just mm-hmm. some bad football and stretches. All right, Beach. So let's talk about the Pac-12 in the polls right now. Right now, as it sits, Oregon in the AP poll is at number five, Arizona State at 11, UCLA at 18, Utah at 21, Arizona at, 
or Utah at 20, Arizona at 21, and USC is in the others receiving votes category. And in the USA Today coaches poll, Beach, mm-hmm. you've got Oregon again at number five, Arizona State at number 12, UCLA at number 18, Arizona at 21, Utah at 22, and USC is in the others receiving votes category. And do we know what the playoff situation looks like? I'm looking right now at where we're standing in the rankings for the the okay they haven't updated the uh, they must not be doing a uh, week by week ranking because last week the college football playoff rankings came out and mm-hmm. Mississippi State was number one Florida State two Auburn at three Ole Miss four Oregon five Alabama six TCU seven Michigan State eight Kansas State nine Notre Dame ten well this week. They have not updated the standings, but number four, Ole Miss lost to number three, Auburn. And so, but in the rankings, Alabama jumped Oregon to number four. So I don't know where the, uh, where that'll end up because they haven't released the new ones yet. So, but we'll start looking more at that next week. Okay. All righty. All right, Beach. Now it's time for one of your favorite sections of the week. The Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Now, every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, a leadership, or just being a fan. Now, Beach, on Saturday we were out at the tailgater, and we saw on ESPN that the Maryland captains had refused to shake the hands of the Penn State captains at the pregame coin toss. Yes. And there was also a pre-kickoff scuffle between the two teams that resulted in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against Maryland. Okay, so the scuffle didn't have to do with them denying no. the handshake. It was, it was a, something it else. Was, okay. But, Beach, I have looked and looked and looked, and nobody can figure out exactly why this happened. Nobody knows. Now, there has been a little bit of rhetoric going back and forth between the two coaching staffs kind of uh-huh. in a non-direct way, so they're not calling each other out, but they're kind of saying Penn State's been saying stuff about Maryland. Maryland's been saying stuff about Penn State. Um, those two states do obviously border each other. They recruit out of a lot of the same area, so it could just be a little gamesmanship between the two coaching staffs trying to kind of one-up the other. Um, mm-hmm. And so that might have kind of bled over into the players' feelings, but there's really no direct correlation between it. I mean, there's like not like one thing that happened that would set this off. So, so we were thinking about giving them the jackass of the word week, but I don't know who to give it to, Beach. But then something else happened on Saturday that makes me want to give somebody else the jackass of the week award. Do tell, Billy. So Beige, do tell. We are giving this jackass out of the week award to someone that is, I would say, near and dear. I would. It's going to go to someone that's near and dear to our jackass hating hearts, right? And that would be the head mm-hmm. coach of Washington State, Mike Leach. Now, early in the first quarter, the Washington State's starting quarterback, starting senior quarterback, Connor Halliday, was injured pretty badly. And yeah, it was it was a pretty, was nasty, pretty nasty, uh, um, yeah. nasty enough that we will mention it again later in the show. 
uh, he was laying on the ground in obvious agony and pain and quite freaked out. You could see it in his face. Mm-hmm. And he laid out there and they had to call out the board because they were going to have to carry him off the, the backboard. Mm-hmm. And then they also brought out the compression boot they put around your leg or, or your whole leg to immobilize it. And that, and that just immobilizes it so they can worry exactly. about it later. That, that's, that, that's when things are really bad. Right? That's when they okay. do that. Means you got multiple it means breaks. You got massive. You got some pretty bad injuries, so they had to put okay. that on him before they carried him off. Now during this, this quarterback is sitting on the on the field in obvious pain and agony and freaked out. Now mm-hmm. his teammates came out and tried to give him some encouraging words. Some of the USC players went out and tried to say a few things to him. Yeah, did, didn't, USC didn't starting quarterback. quarterback um, Cody Kessler came off the sideline to give him some encouraging words. Yeah, gave Very him a handshake or a kind of a yeah. The one obvious person who did not leave the sideline during that whole incident, Washington State coach head coach Mike Leach. And Beach, I was appalled by that. I don't think I've ever seen a head coach not at least make an appearance on the field when one of their in, one of their players is injured, no matter what their position. I, I can't I, exactly, especially when it's. I mean, when, when you're, I mean, not when you're just down and you're waiting to get helped up and walk off the field, but when you're when you're you, down and you're waiting for an ambulance. To carry you off the field, and he yeah. did nothing. And I really think he has. He obviously is socially inept. If you've ever seen him in a in a, people think it's quirky and it's funny. No, the guy's an ass. The guy's an ass. He doesn't know how to deal with people. He doesn't know how to lead. He mm-hmm. he, he might know offensively. He might have a, a clever mind for offensive part of football. But when it comes right down to it, as a human being, he fails. And quite frankly, I would be ashamed to have that guy as the head coach of my team. He is my most hated coach in the Pac-12. He's even more hated after that classless heartless display I saw on Saturday. Hmm. Anyways, and with that, Mike Leach, you get this week's <laughs> Jackass of the Week Award. All right, Beach, on to better things. It's pretty hard I, to get pissed me off, Beach. I couldn't believe it. Pissed me off something <laughs> fierce. Anyways, Beach, so let's move on to the ACDC musical interlude of the show. Today, Beach, we are up to the 1990 release for ACDC, The Razor's Edge. This was probably where I truly got introduced to ACDC for the first time. I mean, I heard songs Mm -hmm. by them, but never really knew the band until this album came out. So, Beach, there's a lot of ways we could have gone with this this album. There's a lot of great songs that came off. Obviously, Thunderstruck, um, Mm -hmm. which was the, the first single off the album. Actually, they were playing that at the Oregon State game on Saturday. Great song. Snippets one of my of favorites. Anyway. Great video, too. Money Talks. Great song. Mm-hmm. Um, Fire Your Guns. Another great mm-hmm. song. Got You By The Balls. A little bit slower, a little bluesy. Another great song. Mm-hmm. The always great holiday ballad, Mistress for Christmas, with the great mm-hmm. lyric in it, Wanna Be In Heaven with Three In A Bed. Always mm-hmm. a my great, favorite great lyric. song we could have gone with. But... We decided to go with the song that I think you and I both really, really enjoy, 
Are You Ready? So here is Are You Ready by the 1990 ACDC release, Razor's Edge.
Great song, Beach. It's an awesome song, Billy. Love that song. So hopefully the Beavs are ready this weekend because they need to get a win. We really do. Are are we how how far out are we from still making uh what's our four record right now? Four and four. And you need we need, need six. six? Okay. So And we and we still got a pretty darn tough schedule ahead of I, ourselves. I think there's two winnable games and two others that'll be very tough. Yeah. So but Beach, one of the games this week is winnable. So let's move on to our Pac-12 Week 11 preview. Oh, I forgot to update our standings after the end of Week 10, Beach. So after Week 10, you are now in third place. I'm no longer well, Jamboree. You and I both went one and six or one and five. So Kyle yeah, went three and three. So you are now at 41 out of 67. Kyle okay. surged into second place with 42 out of 67. And I am in first place with 43 out of 67. All right. So now Kyle is the Jan Brady. He's the baton twirler, huh? Pretty much, yeah. All right, Pete. I was I was watching the band over, you know, during uh-huh. halftime, and looked over at Mom, and I, you know, Oregon State's band has a baton twirler, and again, I think of Jan Brady when she was going to be the baton twirler. And I just wonder how many people try out for that. I don't part. know. And do you take lessons to do that? I don't know, you know, and uh, you know, there's the dude out there who, the you know, with the, the kind of like the, the Spider-Man looking costume that he's got, you know, cause he's got the black with the white thing going on, but he's out there and he's keeping the beat, you know, and then he does some pretty kick-ass crap with his baton. I mean, he's spinning that sucker around him and then you got the girl in the skippy outfit throwing the damn thing in the air. And it's not even on fire, you know, I don't see the, I don't know. I'm just a little lost. Yeah. Should look up the history of what the purpose of the baton you twirler do that is. For next week, Beach. Other, other than to just make some sad girl who has no talent, wow. you know, give her, give her some attention. Wow. <laughs> All right, Beach. Let's move on to this week's games. First up is Notre Dame at Arizona State. Who you got? Notre Dame. Arizona State. Okay, Kyle says Notre Dame. I. Kyle, you the Irish suck. win because I don't want them to. I am going to yeah. take Arizona State. I think the defense is playing really well, and I don't think I don't think Arizona I don't think Notre Dame's defense will be able to keep up with Arizona State's offense. I don't think uh, Notre Dame's as good as people think they are. All right, Beach. Next up, UCLA at Washington. Let's go with UCLA on that one. Okay. Kyle says, the Huskies win because I don't want them to. <laughs> I see a theme going yeah. here with Kyle's. Uh, I'm going to take UCLA because I think they've got more off. I don't think the Washington is very good. And I don't think UCLA is great, but I think they're better than Washington. So, All right. Next up, Beach, Colorado at Arizona. Colorado have a win yet Not this year? 12. Well, and Arizona doesn't have any injuries yet, really. correct? Yeah, I just don't see Colorado doing it. I'll pick Arizona on that okay. one. Kyle says, the Wildcats win because I don't want them to. <laughs> I, too, am taking Arizona. <laughs> All right, Beach, up next. This is going to be the best game for me, the best game of the week. Oregon at Utah. Utah just lost a nail-biter in overtime last week. 
you know what? I personally think that the families in Utah all should be cooking up the uh, the Utah funeral potatoes on Friday because I think they're going to kill Oregon. All right. Okay? I think so. I really – I think something something's going to happen, something big. Injury, you know, I don't know, something. All right. Didn't you call an injury last year? Um, no, Kyle did. Kyle, Kyle called, called a major industry injury last year, and that's when uh, Mariota got hurt. Anyways, mm. Kyle says Oregon wins because I don't want them to. Beach, I too am taking Utah. I think that defense is that good. I think that mm-hmm. defense is that good. And if you can shut down Oregon's offense, you can beat them. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, I'm, Beach. I'm thinking. I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to lose somebody. And up last. But but don't worry. They won't tell us because they won't talk about injuries. injuries. Okay, up last, Beach. Washington State at Oregon State. Uh, You know, Kyle better answer this one differently than his other ones. I'm taking Oregon State. I I think Washington State's had their wins for the year, and they're done. Okay. You're taking Oregon State. Kyle says, I'm picking the Beavers, but he added a little frowny face. I think maybe he's saying there, Washington State win is going to win because I don't want them to. But he's picking the Beavers. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to take Oregon State because I think they can beat beat Washington State. It's funny, Beach. There's been so many people that have talked about how crappy the Beavs are and, and that kind of stuff. To me, the Beavs aren't crappy. I've seen crappy Beavers teams. They're not crappy. Mm-hmm. They're kind of mediocre. Um, I've mm-hmm. been a little surprised at the ineptitude of the offense at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been surprised at how poorly the defense has played at times, but they're not crappy. Um, I don't think there's any crappy teams in the Pac-12. I don't think Colorado's. No, I don't think any team can no, be over. I don't. I don't think there's anyone that's 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 completely crap. But I think there's a lot of teams that aren't. I think consistent. there's a lot of kind of mediocre teams. Yeah. So, anyways, all right, Beach. So we'll see where we fall out next week. I still can't help but wonder if Brandon Cooks didn't leave early, what kind of team we'd be seeing. Oh, that this would year. definitely help. I mean, especially when we're starting two redshirt freshmen and two sophomores at, on, at, on the as our as our receivers right now. Yeah, that's not good. Or if Scott Crichton yeah. hadn't left and we had that one more big body on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. But you know, you play with the guys you got, and quite frankly, yeah. Crichton and and Cooks needed to move on. They were ready to go. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, and they're doing a great yeah, especially job. Especially Cooks. He's having a phenomenal season. Yeah. So. All right, Beach, let's move on. This will be the first time this year, Beach, this season, that we've done the next segment, which is the Tanner Boyle. Uh, does that burger eating spaz make me want to puke? Makes me want to puke, play of the week. Now, Beach, this is kind of where we talk about just something that we see in a game and that just makes us really want to puke. Now, this mm-hmm. week, Beach, we actually have two. Now, the first one we kind of talked about earlier, and that was Washington State quarterback Connor Halliday. Now, during the play, did you see it, Beach? Um, yeah, I, I saw it replayed a couple yeah, times, and it, yeah. And, and it's it's pretty gruesome to watch. Um, it's not super graphic, but you can just see when he was kind of dropping back to pass, the defensive lineman was trying to tackle him, but the offensive lineman was kind of in there too. 
and he was kind of tackled awkwardly, and both of those 300-pound men fell on his leg and mm-hmm. actually broke his fibula. Yeah, Ooh. which is the big bone in the leg. It's the biggest bone exactly. in your body, isn't it? And it was just brutal looking. And he actually had to go in for um, emergency yes, surgery, surgery wasn't it? Saturday night. So not a good thing. It was it was pretty bad. And he tweeted out a little while after that that he was just pissed because he was three games away from realizing his dream of probably getting drafted into the NFL. You know, he said 22 years and I was three games away. So yeah. I doubt he gets drafted now. He still might get signed, but I doubt he'll get drafted. So. Yeah. Anyways, um, if you haven't seen it, whoever's out there watching, just Google it. It's 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 not horrible, but it's still it's bad. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen worse, but I mean it wasn't like we saw bone go through exactly. skin. Now the next one, Beach, to me is worse. So um, I don't know if you have you did you see the Ole Miss play, Beach? Okay. No, not at all. So get on YouTube as I'm talking about this, okay. and YouTube Ole Miss Laquan L A Q O U O N L A Q U O N Treadwell. Does it come up? You there? Yeah, L A Q U O N Treadwell T R E A D W E L L. Is it coming up? Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of leads okay. on there. Oh, injury. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. okay. Here we go. Now you can watch this beach. Now. Okay. okay we're watching. You watch, and I'm going to keep talking now. Um, on Saturday, Ole Miss, who was ranked number four was playing Auburn, who was ranked number three in a, in a big time sec game. Now towards the end of the game, uh, Ole Miss was down, but was driving for the go ahead did he get the touchdown? He was driving for the go-ahead score. Now, he was close to scoring the go-ahead touchdown. He caught a pass and was being tackled um, right at the goal line. Now, if you watch it, um, his left it was kind of tackled awkwardly from behind. Now, his left leg and ankle bent at an awkward angle, and the six foot two, two hundred twenty-nine pound sophomore was in obvious pain before being carted off the field. And as you can see, he's being hit. His leg just buckles underneath him. He fumbles. I mean, hold on, they're they're replaying in slow motion He fumbles the ball here. and falls into the end zone. Um, now again, in this one, Beach, he had to he had surgery late Saturday night to repair the broken fibula, another fibula, and a dislocated wow. ankle. Do you see it? Yes, I did. Did they did they not score the touchdown? Well, that's the worst part, Beach. I can't tell who could who, who part, recovered Beach. the it ball. It was reviewed, and it was deemed uh-huh. that he fumbled before crossing the goal he line. Broke the plane. The ball yeah. fell into the end zone. Was recovered by Auburn. They got the ball in the twenty yard line and ran out the score. So not only was he injured pretty horribly, not only his, his leg doesn't look like it bends oh, all that. Look bad. at his ankle and stuff. Okay, let me. Look at his ankle. So not only. Ooh, 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 yeah, that's it's bad. it's very bad. Ooh, ooh, goal. No, I just saw it now. Oh, God, that wasn't going right <laughs> no. at all. Oh, my God, his leg was going in the whole wrong direction that it should have exactly. been bending. 
I was looking. I was looking at his upper no, thigh, and it's his, his lower leg. Oh, yeah. oh, that's now he oh, did that's break bad. his fibula too in that. So not yeah. only. Well, I'm sure because the other thing was going such yes. weird directions. So not only is his season over, not only did he need surgery to repair everything, his career is not over. But he will not be back for spring ball. They're hoping to get him back, you know, for next season. Huh. But the worst part oh, of that, that is that, he didn't even score the go-ahead touchdown. That yeah, sucks. I know. You know, and he was so close too, but he pulled him back. And he his, it's like the ball stayed on the other side of the line, even though his body yes. cleared. Yes, it was just brutal. So anyone that wants to go out and watch that, you can. It's, it's pretty graphic though. So anyways, because of that, that's what we're going to give our – Tanner Boyle makes me want to puke play of the week. Because it's, it's, you could hear in Beach's voice. It's pretty puke worthy. Yeah, it was. I didn't see it the first time, but. (laughs) All right, Beach, let's move on to happier things. And the Washington State game tailgater we've got coming up this weekend. And we've got a a good old fashioned one o'clock kick. Uh, yes, we do. That means we're tailgating from 7 o'clock till, till noon. noon. That is correct. Now, Beach, when we had originally talked about this, you had pushed for wanting to do grilled. I wanted to do tomato soup and grilled cheese because that just seems like a great thing to eat on a cold November day. And I completely day. agree with you. My only issue is grilled cheese is not a great thing to do at a tailgater. It takes too long to melt and and too inconsistent. And I of, can't uh, because it's something that doesn't hold. Consumers. You know, we have to mm-hmm. have a little bit of a hold factor or quickly yeah. assembled factor. And that those two things are neither of those things are going to happen with grilled cheese. Although yeah. playing the Cougars, you want that they've got their own creamery up there on campus. So you want the Cougar gold cheese. So and I'd mm-hmm. been kind of pushing for mac and cheese when we've got the Traeger out there. It's perfect for bacon, mac and cheese. on. Mm-hmm. So we were out there on Saturday kind of kicking back and forth. What should we be doing? It was such an early game, we wanted to do something breakfast-related. So my thought was, well, why not do steak, which is another thing that Washington State is known for, their beef herd. Yeah, I think they're usually sponsored by the yes. Cattlemen's Association. Yes, and they have a they? big beef herd up there. So steak, yeah. steak and eggs. And instead of doing toast or hash browns, do some Cougar Gold mac and cheese. So I think you and I and, and Matt... Also, that's a hell of an idea. I mean, I think it sounds great. And then Matt made the suggestion of even now offering it like in a yeah, burrito bring some, factory. Bring some tortillas you know? so people can make a, a little uh, breakfast tacos out of it. Yeah. yeah. So we can do that. So that's what we're going to do. And to just today, Beach, you went up to the Washington State campus in Vancouver and picked up our mm-hmm. Cougar Gold. I did. Right. I did. And uh, who do we have to thank for our Cougar Gold? Katie, back in August of 2013, uh-huh. made our so cheese. So Katie up at UW, or up at Wazoo, mm-hmm. in uh, August of two thir- 2013, thank you for making our Cougar Gold cheese. Yeah. We appreciate that. And for those of you who have never so, had yeah, it, it, was, it's it was, excellent cheese. It, it was funny when I was up there, and I and I bought it from a lovely lady named Patty at the student uh, bookstore. Again, thank you, Patty. She told me they aren't getting any more shipments in, and she says you better buy it now because they will be running out of cheese shortly because a lot of people buy it as gifts. Oh, for Christmas, for Christmas oh, time. Yeah, yeah. It is a delicious cheese. It is. Hey, hey, Billy, and speaking of that, did you get that email I sent to you with the menu for their own version of I mac and cheese? I did get the email with the recipe for the mac and cheese, yes. Yeah, yeah. How did that, that look? Great. It so doable? we will be doing that. Okay. 
Okay, so not only are we making mac and cheese, but we are making Washington State's own using their own Correct. recipe. We're gonna call. We make a. You know, we we just take things. We just take things to the. We turn it up exactly. to eleven. So, beads, we're gonna be making those. Um, we'll be making the Cougar Gold mac and cheese. Um, we're gonna be mm-hmm. doing uh, the tri-tip that I like to make, and uh, okay. scrambled eggs. So, and I'll bring some accoutrements out for the steak. I'm thinking. I do need one. Uh, would you like me to bring a little blue cheese? I'm not a big blue cheese okay. fan. We'll, we'll just leave that off because yeah. to me that's more of a dinner thing, especially yeah, when you've got yeah. the mac and cheese because you could actually eat the mac and cheese with the steak. Yeah, otherwise we're competing exactly. the two cheeses. Um, but you know what? We've got some of that um, cheese. I will bring out some um, stuff so if people want to uh, top off their eggs with salsa or um, some cheese or some other things, we'll have that out there too. Sweet. And I'll also bring some uh, – in case people want them, I will bring out some frozen hash browns that you can fry up. Just some okay. like little handheld ones, and some okay. other uh, assorted Ooh. assorted um, things that you can make in the deep fryer. That's awesome! I'm excited what? for this one. Making hash yeah. browns. Well, you know, kind of like McDonald's style. Yeah. So mm-hmm. some of those, and I'll bring out some. I still want to do the crab rangoons and some of those other things. We'll still bring out the mac okay. and cheese bites. I just, those things are too good and too easy to have out there. Not yeah. And I think the uh, stuffed spuds that I brought out last week went over really well. Those are Aren't fantastic. Those awesome? We could use those also for, you know, in, in addition to the, we'll, we'll bring them out uh, both. We'll bring out both. Yeah. Um, I also think the boys will be coming out this weekend. So, mm-hmm. and it looks like we're going to have good weather on Friday and Saturday. Sweet. So, yeah. So, and then the other thing I was thinking, why don't I buy some orange juice and some champagne and we can have mimosas. Okay. Breakfast game mimosas, don't you think? I All think right, so. Cool. I'm going to also bring the coffee percolator out. Okay, yeah, we didn't need that. That was, was freaking yeah, cold. We'll get that going this week. How's the weather looking like at this point? I just said it? it looks like it's supposed to be nice on Friday and Saturday. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I wasn't Thanks. Appreciate that. I don't listen to this thing. All you right. know that. Um, it's, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't trust it because it also said a 15% chance of rain last Saturday, and it rained the whole, whole freaking time. The whole time of the tail. Well, it rained during it, the it tailgate. for a chunk during the tailgate. I wouldn't say the whole time. Okay. So. I don't know. It was wet. Yeah, but actually it wasn't as wet as I thought. When I went out to clean stuff up on Sunday, it wasn't as wet as I thought it was. So. Okay. All right, Beach. So there's the tailgater. Oh, and the weather can still change a lot between True. now and then. So there's the tailgater. Hopefully we'll find see a lot of people out for uh, that on Saturday. Remember? I've got a bunch of friends uh, coming. My my friend Catherine is bringing a, a bunch of people, and Maria is showing up. Oh, cool. So. cool. Cool, cool, Never experienced a tailgater before, and they're bringing um, Catherine's foreign exchange oh, student. Oh, right on. Who's from... I think Sweden. Nice. So she's uh, she's learning all of the ins and outs of the U.S. Right culture. On. Cool. All right, Beach. Uh, let's finish the show off tonight with your Rosie Ruiz, Cheaters and Horrors. She's just a girl. She's a whore. She's a whore. Yeah, this one's not too long, but it's it's That's interesting. For you, so true. Don't get it very deep, but I rub the hell out of the edges. All right. <laughs> what I was that? that one today. I know, but it's a theme today. That's your theme. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see here. The East German women's swim team. The And get this from, uh, I think it was Real Clear Sports. Again, I like to give credit where I get my information from. So it says here, the East German women's swim team needed some help. In the Olympics of 1964, 68, 
and 72, they won only a combined 11 medals. So in an attempt to get a leg up on their competition, the 1976 team, in preparation for the Montreal Games, turned to performance-enhancing drugs like hormones and steroids obtained through a government program. For the swimmers, the results were self-explanatory. In 1976, they won 18 medals, 11 of them gold. In 1980, they won 26 medals, 11 of them gold. In 1984, they boycotted because uh-huh. it was in the U.S., and in uh, freaking commies. And in 1988, they won 22 medals, 10 of them gold. Stunning both their competitors and viewers, the young East German girls brought home every gold medal except two in 1976. The world saw a communist nation producing super athletes who clearly looked physically advanced and different. This reminds me, wasn't there a joke played on this in like the movie Dodgeball? Where the one team got uh, ejected? Yes, yes. Because the the one woman standing there and she had a substantial amount of uh, facial hair and stuff going uh-huh. on. Uh, so it said here, um, one American swimmer noted how hard she and her teammates prepared for the world's biggest stage. It was impossible for the East Germans to have worked that much harder to look that much stronger. American swimmers were harshly criticized for complaining during the Olympics when they pointed out the unusual nature of the East German women. The Americans were essentially scorned for being sore losers. To this day, some Americans continue to lobby for their right to a gold medal, yet it remains a difficult initiative to change the history books. With the unification of West and East Germany, the files on the government's doping initiative were uncovered, resulting in many doctors and coaches forced to testify under oath. In the early 1990s, the coaches signed a statement affirming that anabolic steroids were used in former East German swimming. East Germany had created a state-sponsored monster that systematically drugged athletes. Reports say that possibly as many as 10,000 athletes from 1968 to 1988 took PEDs. So, anyway, cheaters and whores. That's just crazy. Isn't it amazing? The whole thing that's the craziest about it was how systemic it all was. Oh, yeah. Because it was just they systematically drug these people yeah you know it's 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 funny how you know communists being communists but here you have this one where the state did what they did to win Mm -hmm. no matter you know cheated and ultimately they knew they were doing it so ultimately they they didn't care as long as you didn't get Mm -hmm. caught but then you go back to that Russian fencer that I talked about here a couple of weeks ago and how he rigged his uh, his uh, blade or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call there, the fencing mm-hmm. tool, uh, to score even when he didn't make an impact. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I mean, that was of his own doing. I don't think the government was involved. But then he had to publicly apologize to the leader of uh, the Soviet Union for his efforts and was, uh, you know, pretty much lost mm-hmm. everything. But, you know, it, I don't know. I guess, it, like Dad always says, it all depends on whose ox is being gored. Yeah. So, True. You know, I mean, I guess if you have plausible deniability, you're going to throw whoever under the yeah. bus. And But I just, it makes you sick, though, that people do that. And then ultimately, it kind of makes you wonder how bad those uh, East German athletes 
you know, because those steroids cause a lot of long-term mm-hmm. effects, especially if, if they were using them as much as they were. I mean, if you had that much physical improvement over your competitors, imagine the amounts that they were taking. And I bet you it screwed a lot of them oh, up. Sure. I, I would be interesting to, to see how they are now and if there's been any long-lasting oh, yeah. effects. Oh, yeah, especially on women because I'm, they're, they're taking – I'm assuming those are male oh, testosterone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, what does that do to their reproductive ability and everything mm-hmm. else? But it is what it is. All right, Beach. Good, good, good yeah, cheaters so, and whores. Yeah, someday we're going to talk about the real cheaters and whores that we all know and love. Go. Ones to the south. All right, yep. Beach. I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 54 of a League of Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there are a few ways to get in touch with us. Voicemail, 541-207-3586. HeinrichTailgater at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, at HeinrichTailgater, and also check us out on Facebook. All right, Beach. Thanks for being here. I'm glad it's to be here. It's been had. fun. Next week, we'll have show number 55. We can't drive 55. That might have to be a song next week, just because... Double nickel. Um, we'll have more fun and frivolity the illegal participation way. We'll talk more beavers and pack 12. We will recap week 11 or preview week 12. And we will talk the Arizona state tailgater. Anything else to add beach? No, I got nothing. That's really. what she said. All right. And I'm with wow. that. I want to add a great big go beeves. You know, I got an old version of Windows Explorer, and everybody's like, oh, we're going to have to get rid of that. But it's the only one GM uses. Oh, yeah.
I like this one. It's a little slower than what? normal. Are you ready? Starts out okay, slow. Yeah, we can do that one. And you have a Rosie Ruiz. Didn't answer. What was that? I'm sorry. You have a Rosie music. Ruiz. I do have a Rosie okay. Ruiz. This is the one I had That's from last nice. week. And I got it in bigger font this time. Good. So you're not, I'm not going to have to edit out like 20 things. You're going, ah, God. Ah. Dude, it freaking sucks, man. Yeah, you know, my, my uh, update from Eugene is truly an update from Eugene. And it's really kind of sad. Okay. I might I might have a little banter with you before we start. Okay. I hate not having it scripted, but I didn't have time to script it. Okay. Open, you bitch. Open. Let me know when you're ready. It's taking forever for this damn thing. It thinks you're sending me viruses. All right. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heinrich Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heinrich Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. How was that? Did I rush it? If a little I rushed bit. A little bit. <clears throat> you ready? <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs>